Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. You can also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Salary Cap and Contract Matters. Uh, this time around, we're going to take a look at Chris Jones's contract situation. Um, on Tuesday, when Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid met with the media, made a surprising comment said that he wasn't sure if Chris Jones would be there for the start of training camp. Well, um, veterans report to training camp on Saturday, July 22nd. I think he's going to be there for one reason. For each missed day of training camp, he will be fined $50,000. The fine isn't forgivable. So, if he missed three days, he's out $150,000. Misses... A week, that's three fifty. What I suspect he'll do if he doesn't have a new contract is he'll hold in. And that's in direct response to the 2020 CBA increasing the amount of the daily fine and also making it so that you can't waive or reduce the fine for players on a veteran contract like Chris Jones. So we saw T.J. Watt a couple years ago do a hold in, which means I'm reporting to training camp. I'll go to all the meetings. I'll do all that stuff. I'll do my individual work on the side. I'm not doing anything team related until you pay me. So that's the hold in um, strategy. And the better player you are, the more likely the team is going to allow you to do that, like um, TJ Watt. But the statement Andy Reid made conflicts with what uh, general manager Brett Beach said last month at the ring ceremony right around the time uh, they're having the mini camp in the middle of June. And Beach said, we had great communication. There's a lot of time before camp. Feel good about where we're going to be with Chris. We'll get to celebrate tonight. Have a good time. Break tomorrow. And I'm sure we'll have great dialogue from now to the start of training camp. And look forward to Chris, Chris being here and not just for the next year but for a long time. Now, Jones is entering the final year before your $80 million contract, which is worth up $85 million through incentives. There are $60 million of overall guarantees when he signed in 2020 as a franchise player. He's supposed to make $19.5 million as a base salary. Um, he's got a $28,291,668 salary cap number. That's the eighth highest cap number in the NFL this year. And it's the fourth biggest cap number um, among defensive players. Now, Jones is on record is saying that he at least wants to be, or at least reportedly, 
Um, I think I read that in an article. I don't think he saw it directly attributed to him, but I think I read that in an article that he reportedly wants to be at least the second highest paid interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Now, Aaron Donald sets the bar for interior defensive linemen. Um, he's also the highest paid non-quarterback. So it's not only highest paid interior defensive lineman, there's nobody else done throw football makes more than Aaron Donald. Last year, Aaron Donald um, had an unusual deal, had three years left on his contract. They just ripped it up, gave him a new one. Didn't ask for New Year's. That doesn't happen. He's signed a five, three-year, $95 million contract, averaging $31,667,667 per year last June. That's the highest paid guy. Now, we've seen tremendous growth in the interior defensive lineman market this year. And that's because when Donald got that amount, and he had been making $22.5 million per year on the deal he signed in 2018, um, the next highest paid guy was two guys, Leonard Williams from the Giants at $21 million per year, and DeForest, DeForest Buckner at $21 million per year. Big gap. 51% more is what Donald was making from who was next. So, um, right or right. Leading up to the Super Bowl, um, Chris Jones made a comment that he wanted the young defensive tackles, meaning Dexter Lawrence of the Giants, Jeffrey Simmons of the Titans, and Quentin Williams of the Jets, all these guys heading to the final year of the rookie contract, fifth-year option, wanted them to blow the market out because he knew he'd reap the benefit of, of anything they did. Now, they all did that. The first you had... Um, the Commanders franchise, Deron Payne, and he signed contract averaging $22.5 million per year. Next up, you had Jeffrey Simmons before the NFL draft, signed for $23.5 million per year. Then you had Dexter Lawrence um, with the Giants, signed for $22.5 million per year. Then, um, not too long ago, we had Quentin Williams. Um, last piece of the puzzle for these Guys that Jones wanted to blow the market out, he signs for $24 million per year. Um, he gets $66 million in total guarantees, four-year extension, $47.835 million fully guaranteed at signing. So, last piece of the puzzle has been completed. So, if he was waiting for that, then, or the Chiefs were waiting for that, <laughs> There's nobody else in the interior defensive line market that's going to affect anything. It's a fully developed market for these purposes. Now, I think Chris Jones has a ton of leverage in this negotiation, and and, and here's why. Um, One, he was the best interior defensive lineman last year. Now, Aaron Donald's won Defensive Player of the Year three times, first bout Hall of Famer, um, some consider him the best interior defensive lineman to ever played a game. If not, he's definitely in that discussion. Now, Aaron Donald missed six games last year for an ankle injury. And even before that, when Donald was playing, Chris Jones was the best one out there. He had a career-high 15-and-a-half sacks, earned first-team All-Pro honors, and was a finalist for the NFL Defensive Player of the Year award. Now, um, there's something called quarterback pressures. Um, it's combined sacks, quarterback hurries, and quarterback hits. Now, Pro Football Focus tracks those. And in the regular season, he had the fifth most 
um, quarterback pressures. Now, in addition to that, if you look at him over the past two years, he's got the fifth most quarterback pressures. The four guys ahead of him, all edge rushers. Max Crosby, 182. Nick Bosa, 165. Michael Parsons, 157. Miles Garrett, 151. Chris Jones, 142. Among interior defensive linemen, Chris Jones leads them all. 142, as I said. Aaron Donald has 126. Cameron Hayward, 119. Javon Hargrave, 118. Jeffrey Simmons, 115. Deron Payne, who got paid this year, $22.5 million per year. He's 10th among interior defensive line of 96. Dexter Lawrence, he's 8th of 106. Quentin Williams, second highest paid interior defensive lineman. Not in the top 10 among interior defensive linemen and quarterback pressures of 86. So, to me, his ability gives him leverage, but it goes deeper than that. Now, Chiefs have a very tight salary cap situation. Um, according to NFLPA data, they have just a shade over a million dollars in cap space. Now, during the offseason, well, actually until the day of the first regular season game, midnight of the first regular season game, so that would be midnight on September 7th, and the Chiefs do play the Lions in the opener. All teams have everything under the cap counting. That means your guys on a 53-man roster, the practice squad, which can be up to 16 players, anyone on injured reserve, the non-football illness injury list, the physically unable to perform list, everybody, everything counts. Um, that shift can be anywhere between 2 and $5 million. So the Chiefs actually, although under top 51 calculations, they have a million dollars, they're a million dollars under the cap. They're really not when you get to where they're going to have to be when the regular season starts. They need cap room. Best place for them to get the cap room is Chris Jones. They already did a restructure of Patrick Mahomes. They could squeeze a little cap room out of blowing his base salary, but it's not going to make a major dent. You can make a major dent with Chris Jones. So that's one of his calling cards. That in order to get the cap room you need to get through the season, if he chooses to fully exploit his leverage, then he can get a great deal. Because you can get at least $10 million of cap space out of Chris Jones. And I'll give you an example how this might work. Um, You know, signing bonuses are prorated over five years. And he's got this year he's under contract. He's got $19.5 million in the base salary. Let's say you lowered his base salary to $1.5 million. Um, gave him a $30 million signing bonus. So you're going to prorate that $30 million over five years. You give him a four-year extension. Then you're going to drop his cap number from $28,291,668 to $16,291,668. So... Um, you'd pick up $12 million in cap space. You can pick up a little bit more. He's got that not likely to be earned incentive in there. Um, sack incentive for reaching 10 sacks for 1.25. I mean, excuse me, likely to be earned because he had 10 sacks. So that's counting on the cap as well. So you could pick up another $1.25 million if you deleted that sack incentive in the extension. Now, he's got another thing which gives him a ton of leverage that – with a cap number that high, 
to franchise them is not going to be the number which comes from the cap percentage average of the formula. The 120% provision is going to apply. It's the greater of the formula amount or 120% of your prior year salary, which in most cases is just your cap number. But in his, there are a couple things you have to exclude, how it will work. You got to subtract out the $500,000 workout bonus from his cap number, subtract out the sack incentive as well. So that's a $1.25 million. So you're taking out $1.75 million. Now, so you're going to multiply what's left by 120%. So that's $26,541,668. That gets you to $31.85 million. Now you got to add those two things back in at that point the workout bonus, and the sack incentive. So it's going to be 33.6 if he played out his contract and had double-digit sacks again. You'd have a 33.6 be $33.6 million to franchise him. That also gives him leverage. So to me, based on the dynamics, his play, Jones would be justified in asking for $30 million per year on an extension. He's 29 right now. He's not showing any signs of slowing down. He's the anchor of the defense. If he wanted $30 million or more, I think he'd be justified in asking for it. If he wanted to ask for more than Aaron Donald, I wouldn't think that was unreasonable. We are going to see some shift in just generally the top of the non-quarterback market. It could be in the next couple of weeks. Nick Bosa is in a contract year. Uh, It's his fifth-year option. His brother, Joey, a couple of years ago, and actually in 2020, became the highest-paid non-quarterback. Same agent. That agent's going to make Nick Bosa, who's more accomplished, the highest-paid non-quarterback. I think that's the only way that deal gets done, which means minimum $32 million per year. could be as high as $35 million per year. Somewhere in between there, maybe it's $33.5 million per year. Maybe Chris Jones would be better off waiting for Nick Bosa to replace Aaron Donald as highest paid non-quarterback and then under the theory that a rising tide lifts all boats with that deal in the marketplace, he gets more than he could without that deal in the marketplace. And he might be telling, his agent might be telling the Chiefs, this deal is coming and trying to factor it in. My experience was... Telling teams something was going to happen in a negotiation didn't carry the same weight and, and, and something else was, could potentially influence the, influence the market. Didn't carry the same weight as it actually happening. Um, or there's always a school of thought, and this is what I subscribe to, outside market forces be damned. If you can get what you want, pull the trigger and do the deal. Now, to me, Chris Jones... Shouldn't settle for anything less than the midpoint of Aaron Donald and Quentin Williams. In the midpoint of that is $27,833,333. So basically, if he did a three-year extension, that'd be $83.5 million over three years. Shouldn't To me, shouldn't be any less than that. Now, if you look at where he was relative to Aaron Donald when he signed his deal when he was franchise was a franchise player in 2020. Donald signed in 2018. Um, he's at 20. Donald's at 22.5. He's at 
he was at 88.9% of Donald last time. And Donald was clearly the better player last time. But if you take Donald's current deal and you put him in the same place he was, Jones in the same place he was when he signed this this, this last deal, then that's going to put you at $28,148,149 per year. So $28 million, let's say, should really, really $28 million. That, to me, that would be fair. Although, I think if he wanted to push for 30 you got to remember that the agent works for the player, not the other way around. But really, $28 million, we'll say, minimum, is what this deal should be. So, to me, as now I'm sure the Chiefs are saying, hey, this is an outlier. This Aaron Donald deal, they want to dismiss it from the marketplace. But it is what it is. It's in the marketplace. If I'm the agent, you're not dismissing it. It's going to be something that we have to reckon with and account for. So, if you're going to do $84 million over three years as an extension, $28 million per year, and let's say you gave them that same $30 million signing bonus I was talking about in the example, base salary at $1.5 million, you'd pick up $10.5 million of cap space. You'd lower Donald's cap, I mean, um, Jones's cap number to $17 million, $791,668. Now, if you took out the uh, sack incentive, you'd get $11.75 million of cap space, and the number would go down to um, $16,541,668. Now, if we're going to do this, I want the deal structured how good to great players typically get a three-year extension structured. And I'm a big big person on cash flow. I don't like these flat or neutral deals where you're at, after the first new year, you're at $28 million. After the second new year, you're at $28 million. And then, obviously, third new year, because that's the entire deal, you're, at, you're averaging $28 million. And I detest backloaded deals. It's going to be, it had to be front-loaded. Now, a neutral deal would be 33.3%, or let's, let's, let's round down, 33% of the money after the first new year, which would be 2024, 6 10% after the second new year, 2025. But just from looking at enough contracts, I know it should be anywhere from 38 to like 42, depending upon how front-loaded, through the first new year, which would be 2024, like 67.5 to like 71%, 72 if you got really front-loaded after the second new year. So let's say 40, basically 40%, 70, 40% after the first new year, 70% after the second new year. So that's what we'd be striving for. Um, he's got a $500,000 workout bonus in each year of his current contract, so that would probably remain. So what would this thing look like? Well, $30 million signing bonus. Base salary drops to $1.5 million. Um, base salary in 2024, $21.5 million. You got the $500,000 workout bonus. You'd have a cap number of $29.5 million in 2024. 2025, $24.5 million base salary. $500,000 workout bonus. Cap number would be $32.5 million. 2026, $25 million base salary, $500,000 workout bonus, cap number $33 million. Now, guarantees are important, 
So you would have 2023 and 2024 fully guaranteed signing. That had to be a necessity for me. And that would be $53 million fully guaranteed at signing. Ideally, and I don't think this is what happened, you would want 2025 to be able to become guaranteed. It would be guaranteed for injury at signing and then be able to become fully guaranteed. Now, for a player of Jones's caliber, the 2025, whatever amount of 2025, or the $24.5 million base salary in 2025, that becomes fully guaranteed should vest early. And by that I mean it would become guaranteed, fully guaranteed on the third or fifth day of the 2024 league year, so that would be next March, as opposed to when that actual year comes up and it's guaranteed third or fifth day of 2025. You want it the year earlier because it basically locks the team in, so that makes sure that you get the third year of the four years that you're under contract. Now, as I said, ideally doing all 24 and a half million, I don't think that would happen because that would give you 77 and a half million. That'd be way too strong. Um, you have Quentin Williams at 66 million in, in total guarantee. So you probably want to top that. So you, let's say you make it 67. So that would make 14 of the uh, $24.5 million base salary in 2025 becoming guaranteed, and you'd want that to be next March in 2024. Um, so that's uh, what, to me, is a fair deal. I personally, if it was up to me, I'm the agent, I want 30, and if I got a client who's willing to let me do that, then if we can't get it today, tomorrow, we got until September 7th, I'm holding in, and we're going to keep going and push it as far as we can. Um, probably you want to have something done by Labor Day, get it out of the way that uh, at that point so we can focus on getting ready to play football for that week. But that's only if you have a player who empowers the agent to do what he feels is in his best interest, and I don't want to join the $30 million per year non-quarterback club. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Now, I'm skeptical about Jones playing hardball or driving extremely hard bargain for one reason. I think he may have potentially undercut his leverage with something that he posted on Twitter back in March. I'm a chief for life. Will not play for another franchise. Now, if I had a client who put something out on social media to that effect, and I hated it when clients did that because here's what's going to happen. I guarantee you that the Chiefs are going to use that or have already used that remark against him in negotiations to try to get him to leave money on the table. So I'd have the client, I'd try to get him to retract it or at least qualify it. And I haven't seen anything publicly where Jones has done that. 
you basically could have said the same sentiment by saying something to the effect that in a perfect world, I'd like to spend my whole career with the Chiefs, but sometimes the NFL isn't a perfect world. So, we, and you just left it that or then added, if I have to play out my contract, then we'll have to see where things go from there. Um, just so they don't know that, hey, I want to be here, but everything's got to make sense for me. Or you can just say that. Yeah, I'd love to be. I'd love to be here, but uh, the money's got to make sense. Everything's got to make sense from a contractual standpoint. I loved it in my career here, so you can say something to that effect. Now, loyalty can be detrimental in a in a um, negotiation. So I'm sure the Chiefs took that as, hey, he's he's not going to try to fully exploit the leverage. And Kansas City's had a lot of success with their best players and getting them to sign team-friendly deals. We had Patrick Mahomes in 2020 reset the quarterback market by a shade over 28% with that 10-year, $450 million extension, averaging $45 million per year, worth up to $475 million with incentives. That's outdated now. The contract's also very backloaded. The cash flow in the early years was lagging behind all the other high-end quarterback deals. He's now the seventh-highest-paid player in the league, Mahomes. Um, you got Lamar Jackson topping the market at $52 million per year. There's a chance Mahomes is going to be ninth by the time the regular season starts. There is an expectation that 2021st overall pick Joe Burrow and sixth overall pick um, Justin Herbert will get deals done respectively with the Bengals and the Chargers. The Chiefs have already acknowledged that they're going to have to adjust Mahomes' contract um, because of the growth in quarterback salaries, whether that's this year or next year, but that's coming. And then Travis Kelsey in 2020 did something I never would have done. Yeah, he signed a deal making him the second highest paid tight end at the time behind George Kittle. I think practically the same day. Kittle signed for $15 million per year. He signs for $14,312,500 per year. Extremely backloaded deal. Um, compensation remained the same for 2020. Did not get a raise in 2020 for giving them, he had two years left on his contract, for giving them four new years. He only got $4.25 million in new money through his remaining contract years. That is inadequate. It was a pay-as-you-go structure, <laughs> um, so the cap and salary cap numbers were the same. Fortunately, he's played well because th- the way the guarantees worked, they could have exited the deal last year. I mean, uh, if, if the wheels started falling off and had <laughs> um, minimal salary cap consequences. And the deal so backloaded that they shifted $3 million of his money from 2023 and 2024 to 2022. <laughs> so they knew that they got over on him. That Sometimes the best deal is the one you don't make. That deal should not have been made. Um, but the Chiefs have a history of being able to get their top players to buy in. I don't need to get my market value I'll sacrifice for the good of the team to try to win championships. So Jones could be the next in line. And that comment suggests that he might do that. He did make structural concessions on his current contract when he was franchised, that the cash in the first year equaled the franchise tag. And that was in stark contrast 
to what um, the Chiefs did when Justin Houston was franchised a few years earlier. He got 63% more than his tag in the first year he signed. And Jones also had, in a, on a four-year um, extension, a neutral deal to have 50% of your money in the first two years. He had 47% through the first two years. So it was slightly backloaded. So um, said he wants to at least be the second highest paid non-quarterback. So maybe that means they can get him for $25 million per year. <laughs> um, if he's going to do something team-friendly and – That'd be more a million more per year than Quentin Williams. Wouldn't be close to Aaron Donald. When Nick Bosa signs, it would still look uh, a little out of place because when um, Aaron Donald signed in in 2018, he was a mil- he ended up being the highest paid non quarterback br- briefly, and then Camille uh, Khalil Mack signed for 23 and a half million per year. Um, so. There'd still be a huge discrepancy between first and second place with the interior defensive line market, just not like it was last year. So let's say you did a flat deal at $25 million per year. Let's say you give him a $25 million signing bonus. You drop the uh, 2023 base salary down to $2 million. You pick up $11.25 million of cap space this way. And if you took out the um, sack incentive, the likely to burn sack incentive, you're at 12-5 a cap space. So can't say you can get through the season um, from a cap standpoint this way easily. So it's cap number if you, let's say you left the sack incentive in because he's taking $25 million per year. Then you got a cap number of $17,041,668. Um, if you're going flat to have $25 million in new money after through 2024, so you'd have $7 million in new money through this year. You have eighteen million as a seventeen point five million as a base salary in twenty twenty four for five hundred thousand dollar workout bonus in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six each would have twenty four and a half million as a base salary. Then you got the five hundred thousand dollar workout bonus in each year. So the twenty twenty four cap number twenty four point two five million. Then twenty twenty five and twenty six would be thirty one point two five million each of those years. Um, you'd have twenty three and twenty twenty four fully guaranteed at signing. That's forty four and a half million. You probably want to get to yeah, 60 in overall guarantees. But if he's doing something team-friendly, then you're not going to have 2025 vest in 2024. The guarantee is going to vest in 2025. So the $15.5 million of base salary, of, the 20, uh, of his base salary, that's guaranteed for injury, it's signing, wouldn't become fully guaranteed to the third or fifth day of the 2025 league year. So that's what... Um, a flat $25 million per year deal would look like, which would be team-friendly for the Chiefs, potentially, and makes them the second-highest-paid um, interior defensive lineman. Now, we'll see which way it goes. One, we'll see if he gets this thing done, and he's on training camp and there for, the, for all the practices where he's fully participating because the contract gets done next couple of days. Um, or... Hold in or hold out. I don't think there'll be a hold out because it's too cost prohibitive nowadays. I think there'd be a hold in. If there's a hold in, that means Chris Jones ain't playing ball the way Mahomes and um, Kelsey did and is probably looking more to get what he feels is his worth as opposed to cutting the Chiefs some slack. Well, uh, that's going to be this edition 
of Inside the Cap. Uh, don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-A-L. You can also read my CBSSports.com column agents take as well. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye.